Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am at the Kentuckiana Circuit of Dog Shows. And I am very fortunate to be joined by Elaine Lesson. All right, y'all. Looking to enhance your breeding program? Spring into action with Embark for Breeders Dog DNA Kit. Did you know that Embark tests across 230,000 markers? That's twice as much as its leading competitor, making Embark the most accurate dog DNA test on the market. Embark has customized its probes for results such as 210 plus genetic health risks, 35 traits, and genetic diversity. Each genetic health condition is tested using at least three and up to eight separate probes. This redundancy gives an extremely high genotyping accuracy with over 99.99% accuracy for mutation tests specifically and 99% for most linkage-based tests. Find out why responsible breeders trust Embark to enhance their breeding program. Right now, you can save on the most comprehensive dog DNA kit. Just visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK to receive $20 off a full-priced Embark for Breeders dog DNA kit. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use the code PUREDOGTALK just for you. I am very fortunate to be joined by Elaine Lesson, and Elaine is one of our fabulous all breeds. No, just three groups. Three groups, okay. And very happy to be there and not be one of these people who think you should be an all-rounder. That's good. And your background is Cavaliers, am I correct? In purebred dogs, that is correct. Excellent. So, and I do have a few English toys, but I my 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 claim would be in the Cavalier world. Yes. So give us the 411. Tell us your background. What got you started in purebred dogs? We always had a dog as a married couple, and the dog that we had throughout our son's childhood was a Heinz 57 that we got from the Philadelphia Pound, and she was the love of my life for the 14 and a half years she was with us, and when she died, I was despondent. We have a son, and she was another child in the house with me, and when I lost her, I lost a piece of everything in the house. And I really couldn't bear it, and I did not want another dog. I couldn't bear the pain. And my husband came home one day, and he said to me, you better find a dog that you like, or I'm bringing home a Lancier Newfoundland. And anybody who knows me knows I like beautiful things, and we have a beautiful home that had a lot of antiques, and I couldn't imagine the Lancey Newfoundland running around my house, breaking everything or doing whatever. So while I thought they were beautiful, I thought, this is not for me. But in Town & Country magazine, I had seen this dog that was a small spaniel. I knew that, but I didn't know its name. 
and I looked in the AKC Book of Dogs, and I couldn't find a name for it at all. And then, in Town and Country Magazine, I saw a layout of a well-known conservative, I guess we would call him a politician, and he and his wife had this beautiful dog, and they said he was a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And we're talking about, like, late 80s. Okay. And I looked everywhere, and I discovered it was not an AKC-recognized breed. It was in Canada then, but it wasn't in the United States. And it was known to be a dog that very wealthy people had and were very hard to come by. And I'm not a blue blood, and you sort of had to bleed blue Mm -hmm. to get one. Mm -hmm. And so I finally found the name of the dog and I'm a reader researcher in background okay well I did a lot of writing reading and researching for different companies and publishing companies and there was no internet then folks let's just get over that catalog no you had to go to the catalog at the library and you had to go in and pull everything up and I did and I found a book by a woman named Elizabeth Spaulding who lived in Maine And Elizabeth was one of the first people to bring Cavaliers into this country. And it was all about the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And there were, at that point in time, was the very beginning of photographic reproductions on machines that you could do. And so every page in that book, my husband was able to, my husband's a physician, take to the hospital where he was working, and we reproduced the book. I returned the book to the library. And from that book, I was able to go through and find some potential breeders. But I didn't bleed blue. Right. So I didn't have a shot at it. And I found an ad in all places. You know, we then advertised dogs for sale. Yes. For somebody who was breeding them up in Massachusetts. And she had a litter. And so into our life came Sophie, the tricolor. And she was a very beautiful pet. And my contract said I had to spay her. And I did. And then the breeders saw her at... The Cavaliers had dog shows once a month, indoors, in a hotel, at some fancy hotel. And we traveled... club We traveled... It was the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel Club USA. And it still exists. And once a month, you go to a specialty somewhere. And when the breeders saw her, then she said, Oh, did you spay her? And I said, Yes, I couldn't get my papers until I did. And they weren't AKC papers. They were Cavalier King Charles Spaniel papers. The specialty shows mm-hmm. that they did for the Cavalier Club that continues. Talk to me because I know there was some early dissension amongst the Cavalier people as to whether they should join the American Kennel Club or not. There has always been. They stayed in the miscellaneous class right. until 1996 wow. from okay. the 50s. So that gives you some idea. They felt that they wanted to keep the breed pure right. and that it would end up in puppy mills and blah, blah, you know, a number of things. The dissension was terrible, and there were people who really decried going into AKC to the point of complete melodrama. And to this day, I do still pay dues to the other club. I don't participate very much, but because I have such a long history with it, and I have judged for them, I haven't judged very often for them, and now it's almost impossible because my judging schedule sure. with the prohibition between you can't go into right. it just doesn't tend to work for me anymore mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I don't it gave me a wonderful start and I did get my first judging privileges there okay and I think it's important to respect that 
Absolutely. And I and do. Here's my question for you. I mean, there's only a few clubs. There's the Cavalier Club. There's the ASCA, you know, the Australian sure, Shepherds. Shepherds. Right. So I am more familiar with the ASCA split and some mm-hmm. of the differences and, and they, lack of differences. And they live, they live in the yep. same world that we do. They sure. continue to this day Correct. to have specialties. So do you see any particular differences in the dogs between the two? There are certain people who only will go to certain mm-hmm. shows and don't want to participate in AKC. Right. So what has happened to those shows is there's a group of people who form like the core of the club Mm -hmm. and they go from place to place and they'll bring several dogs with them. Mm -hmm. So the pond is smaller, but you know, there's still beautiful dogs there. And then there's just, and those are the people that go from place to place and do the winning. Okay. And that's just the way it is where it's a much, I wouldn't say it's egalitarian in any way. It's a different world. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of world and what I've loved about it. I'm the kid in the candy store. Until 1996, this didn't exist for me. I didn't know about it. I was the first breeder judge to get approved by AKC. Oh, wow. Because in 1988, I started showing an obedience, and I had obedience titles on Sophie. Oh. And so as a result, when it came along in 1996, I had my champions. I brought yeah. my champions, my right. six-year-olds, and right. finished them all. Right. right. Then I did my stewarding. I did all my matches. I did everything. So I was the first one really eligible to apply Justin Cavaliers. There were three other people, David Kirkland being one mm-hmm. of the Meredith mm-hmm. Johnson Snyder and mm-hmm. Stephanie Abraham, okay. who were able to judge the breeds because they had already had breeds in AKC. I came in with one breed, and it was Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. And every time I did something well or did whatever, people, would you come do my breed? Right. Come? right. And I worked my way through the toy group that way. And so you have toy, sporting. Non-sporting and sporting. Got it. Okay. Miscellaneous, best in show. Nice. Nice. And I'm happy. You know, I know some people want to judge everything. I have enjoyed the pleasure of getting better in everything I do rather than adding to my repertoire. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, I find that I get a very positive reaction to my judging, and I love it because I'm flying free, and I love that every time I judge, I learn something else. Yes. And every time you go home, you want to tweak something that you did, and I always say to myself, the day I stop tweaking is the day I need to stay home. Did I I make this right, Joyce? Did I make that right, Joyce? And you do. You take yourself apart. I love what I do. I feel so privileged and honored to be able to do it, and I'm so respectful of everybody on the other side of the table or on the floor or on the ramp because I still do have dogs being exhibited, and I appreciate that. And I want that to come through to every exhibitor in my ring that I'm here for you, and I'll help people, I'll do whatever. I'll tolerate anything but rudeness. I have no patience for rudeness, and I don't understand it, and I'm not rude. And if you want to be rude to me... I have nothing else to say. I think one of the great joys of showing dogs to you is the joy you take in judging them. I love it. But I'm smart enough to know that I don't want to judge everything. I don't either. I don't blame you. (laughs) And I see that so many judges that I respected and thought were good judges, when I see them going on and on and on, I'm disappointed in their failure to look at details. Because every breed has its details. Absolutely. And I think coming from toy dogs was a distinct advantage because every toy dog breed is a boutique item. Yes. And I don't look in sporting dogs as retrievers and pointers and spaniels. They're each a unique item. And I think I bring that detail into it and see things that, you know, I had a breed today that 
every dog, it was a sporting breed, had flat feet for the most part. And these are sporting dogs. They should not have flat feet. No, they have to have and feet. And there they were with flat, flat, flat feet. And it was very disappointing. And it was wow. hard to get away from it. And, you know, at one point I had to give him because the rest of the dog was good. And just were no great feet. And I don't know how sporting dogs can exist without great feet. So that's what I mean. Knowing it, looking at a detail like that. Or an obliquely set eye or whatever. Right. 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 Where does the stop? Is and it, you've been yeah. in my ring enough yes. times to know that I do get into the details. Yes. Sometimes, you know, in one breed that I did a national specialty in years ago, the difference in my best of opposite sex breed was the standard says darker eye preferred. I had two gorgeous bitches, but one had a darker eye than the other. That was it. You know, but that is spoiled for choice. Well, it, there was a lot Spoiled of depth. for choice when you have that much depth. Sure, and it was a national specialty. And that's exactly when you could pull something like that. Right. right. And there are national specialties I've seen that you didn't have that much choice. No, but when you do, and you, yep. then you have to know those deep details. When, how am I splitting up this? Right. Where's the split between you right. win and you don't win? Right. Right. And right. that's what you take to the table. Okay. So, when you are out there enjoying your three groups that you love to judge... What are your very, 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 very favorite things to see in the ring? And what are your super huge pet peeves? I love to see the connection between whoever it is that's handling the dog and the dog. I think the dog is better being with somebody that they have that wonderful relationship with. I think they perform better. And I'm looking for show dog on those days. And then I want to see a dog in good condition. I had a bitch in my ring today who was so thin, I worried about her. And she said, oh, well, she's just come out of season. Then don't bring me a dog like that. Conditioning is everything here. Of course, a clean dog. I'm most offended if you bring me a dirty dog. And a smell. Can't even imagine. Yes. It's just, why bring this dog? Or why bring a dog that isn't... I had another specialty that I did in a breed. And somebody brought me a dog with open, oozing hot spots or whatever. And I said to the man, I'm really sorry, sir, but I have no intentions of touching your dog. And, and I said, I don't mean to offend you, but I'm excusing you. And I can tell you, as someone who showed a lot of dogs, and I had a client bring me an Akita, really beautiful Akita dog, to show to Michelle Billings, a woman that I loved and admired and knew that this dog would absolutely be her cup of tea. And the dog had a hot spot the size of a softball between his ears on the top of his head and the owners insisted that I was going to show this dog to her and I said no no I am not <laughs> I just or the clients that wanted me to show a TT to Toddy Clark in appalling co-condition like they brought her to me I said I can't show this to Toddy I mean there's no way that's offensive and so I think it's important for people out there in the sport to understand how critical conditioning is. It it truly is, and that's really important to me. But that human-canine, the humine-canine bond, that comes through. I mean, whether you be a professional handler, an owner-handler, a breeder, whatever you are, that connection comes through. And you can watch when whoever it is that's handling is getting pleasure out of being with the dog. Yes. And then I also love when new people come into my ring 
I'll make a whole fuss if it's their first time. And you know, everybody, this is your first blue ribbon. And welcome to the world of purebred dogs. And please come back. And if you tell me, oh, you just finished my dog, I make everybody do the wave. You know, it's like I like to keep my ring a happy, functioning place where somebody who's knowledgeable, reasonable, and patient will be with you and your dog. And wouldn't it be a wonderful world if we all thought the same way about dog shows and judging? We should as judging. If you're not happy coming, you shouldn't come. I have to tell you, I am not a professional judge in terms of this is not my income. I don't have to go out and judge, which is why I'm very happy doing just my three groups. I'm busy anyway. Yep. And this is a passion. It isn't a product. I'm putting that in brackets for my listeners <laughs> because we say at Pure Dog Talk very often that your passion is our purpose. And that's what it is. I have no other reason to be here than I love what I do. And it gives me so much pleasure when somebody who isn't even showing a dog in my ring after I finish it, a breed or whatever, will come over and say, I loved watching you. Yes. I, you I could see what pleasure you get from this. It was joyful to watch you. Because we're coming here voluntarily. Nobody has a gun in our heads. Yeah. You know? If somebody says to me, oh, when you win, do you make a lot of money? No, it costs you a lot of money. It's so, very you know, expensive. It's like, well, it's not as expensive as horses. Yes, that's true. You know, but we come here and we need to be a community. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion cares passionately about pets and makes sure their policy has what it takes to serve you and your furry companions. In fact, they are the first pet insurance provider to cover certain health conditions associated with breeding animals through their specialized breeding rider. Their industry-leading coverage does not stop there. Trupanion's free breeder support program also allows you to send your litters home protected with an offer for a Trupanion policy. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. I talk about our tribe, and I believe very strongly that the dog community is that. And we, in the community, have to do a really good job to maintain that. We seem to be kinder to people who are in trouble than kinder to people who are competing with us. Yes. You know, if I point to your dog, that's not somebody else's fault or whatever, and you can't take it out on them. I pointed to the dog. You're unhappy about that. If you want to come to me and tell me how unhappy you are about that, I would say to you, I'm sorry you weren't happy today, but... These were my choices today. And if they would say to me, well, why did you like about that dog more than mine? I would say, I'm really not discussing somebody else's dog with you. I'd be happy to discuss your dog with you if you'd like me to. And that's just really how I feel about it. And those people who get so mad because the judge put up somebody else's dog, don't take it out on your fellow exhibitor. There's another dog show tomorrow. I promise. There will be another one tomorrow. That's the way it goes. I mean, I've been very blessed over the past... I guess two years, I had a dog I bred that's out being shown. And there are days that he wins, and there are days that he doesn't win. And I could tell you ahead of time probably who would and who wouldn't put him up, but I have no reason to interfere with the owner and the handler on where this dog should go, and I haven't. 
And it's so interesting to me because there are some days I think to myself, he's just not going to win, and he doesn't. <laughs> and it's so predictable, and that's a shame. But I don't go to my fellow exhibitors no. and say, oh, you, you know. Right. It's not for me to do no. that. No, it's not our place. Nope. Okay, so I want to have you wax philosophic on something that I think you did such an amazing job of. I watched you judge at the Spinoni Club of America National Specialty. What a joy that was. Yes. And full disclosure, the dog who won is a dog that we bred. But I really mostly wanted to talk about your critique afterwards because I thought it was so insightful and so thoughtful. And so I wanted you to share with my listeners how you think about those things and some of the things that you talked about, not just necessarily in Spinoni, but any breed, to help people understand your priorities. Well, very clearly when you write a critique, you start from the front of the dog and go to the back, top to bottom. And the thing about a critique is it should explain to you what the difference was between number one, number two, number three, number four, best of breed, best of opposite. Where was it Mm -hmm. that you chose to make those differences? That darker eye or whatever it was. Prefer the eye shape. Mm -hmm. Top line, more typical. Mm -hmm. Head planes, not as different, as divergent as they should be. Mm -hmm. And those Mm -hmm. were the things that I hit Mm -hmm. on so Mm -hmm. that I did not speak in a negative way about any dog. Mm -hmm. I spoke in a positive way about the first dog and then explained what virtues were in the second dog, but not the same virtues, as many virtues as I saw in the first place dog or in the breed dog or in the this or the that. And that's always been, and that's from my training in the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel Club because we had to critique four dogs in every class as well, every dog. And so that was a long-standing way to do it. And I would look at the English because obviously they're always critiquing in our dogs and dog world and all that. And I saw things that were mean and having a good time with its owner. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. So just things like in my breed, a scissors bite is the only correct bite. And in my breed, you get a lot of undershot bites, you get some level bites, you get some bites that frankly are right. Terrifying. <laughs> and so I would say things like when I did those that prefer the bite of number one, prefer the scissors bite of number one. So I didn't go tell the world, oh, you're undershot. Right, right, right. And in some cases, terribly undershot. I just said I prefer the, you know, and I would go back like that. Okay. Or the tail carriage of dog mm. number two, you know, equal that of dog number one, but I couldn't find in dog number three. And being a writer, yes, um, I know how to choose my words, and I've always been thoughtful. Which, you know, somebody said to me, you've always been an old soul, Elaine. And I have been, and I know that. And, you know, some of the parts of my life, my father died when I was 11, and my mother died 10 years later. So I lost parents very young. And so when my father died, my mother was, you know, a despondent young woman and I learned to live through that and became a lot of my own person I got married at the end of my freshman year of college I did go back and and completely finish my undergraduate work in three years but I married somebody who was a bit older than I am and I lived a very adult life at a very young age so yes I am in my way an old soul but you bring the old soul with a lot of joy I do and, I, and I so, think that's important. I don't go back and look at a life 
ruined by those things that happened. I look back at those things that happened to me as a way to build on my own life. And I did. And how much am I do we have to be thankful for? You are a gift to our sport in your wonderful, wonderful attitude towards it. And I hope everyone has the opportunity to meet you and, and learn from you someday because that's what this podcast is for. And what I do is I know that I'm known a bit of a fashionista in the dog world. Okay, so I have to tell you, the only person I could compare you to, and I was thinking about this today, is Sandra Goose Allen. And you know, Sandra Goose came over to me at a show in Texas one day. Our dating was next to each other, and I was just working my way through the toy group. And she came over to me, and she called me over to the side of the ring. She said, I watched you all day. You do a beautiful job. And she said to me, I know you were bound for good things. I loved her. Loved her, loved her, loved her. She was the most gracious, gracious lady. A part of her is instilled in me, and I will always be grateful to her. And I have some beautiful, there was a beautiful picture Canine Chronicle put up recently. When I, was, I had a pretty class bitch that I won with, and I'm sitting at Sandra's feet. And that was such a wonderful, beautiful, beautiful rim. And I love that picture. I don't know how somebody found it, but whoever found it, it was lovely. It was a oh throwback Thursday. Who was yeah, this? Right. And it right. was good. And I can go back and think of so many good things. And again, you have to take your losses, and you have to put your losses in the loss pile. And when you have a chance, you can take them and get them washed and cleaned up again. But you can't dwell on those things because tomorrow's another day, said Scarlett O'Hara. And and I bring that to it. And it's just, I won't get negative about this. I refuse to do it. And that is, as I say, I think it's something that we can all take to heart and learn from. I agree. So, final question. Final question. And now I'm totally putting you on the spot. So, if, if you don't want to do it you can say so but i love my favorite game in the world for all my judge friends that come on the podcast is to name your all-time best in show lineup well that would be interesting i think in the sporting group i might put the pointer seaside holly oh okay very good in the hound group i think i might like to put one of justin and chelsea tesley's whippets one of the whippets okay in the working group, I would put Josh, the Newfoundland. Oh, wow. Okay, good. In the terrier group, I would put, that's a good one. I would probably put, maybe I don't know the dog's name, but it was one of the terriers that the Greens showed and Beth showed it. One of the, yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Sonort. In the toy group, it would be David winning with Malachi. Yes. In the non-sporting group, it would be Wendell. Oh, okay. With Poodle, the white Poodle. And that would Mickey be Moto. Mickey Moto. Mm-hmm. And in the herding group, it would probably be... It might be Linda Pitts with one of, with the Cooley. Oh, which one? Well, not the one that she has out no. right now, but oh. the, Yes. Yeah. I like the old, old one. Well, I think they're both magnificent. Yes. They're very yes. different dogs, yes. but I would put the pulley that got retired a few yes. years ago. Yeah. Because okay. I thought he was so exceptional. The cord maker dog. And, yeah. cord make, and having been and judged in Australia mm-hmm. and having a chance mm-hmm. to see a ton mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. I know that that was an mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful... This dog is magnificent. Right. But I'm talking about dogs with careers are done. Yes. And yes. it would be Linda with that pulley. Yeah, I usually ask for no current specials, so that's perfect. <laughs> well, that was, I was working my way back that that's way, okay? Good. Okay, so now who goes best in show? David with the peak.
thought for you that would be a slam dunk. <laughs> well, I actually had a part of Malachi coming over. Oh, my gosh. When Malachi arrived in the United States, David was handling my dogs at the time. Okay. And he called me up and he asked me to please go to Newark Airport to go get him with him because he didn't want to deal with the people of customs. Because that's David. David's not. And he knew I had done it with Cavaliers. And I live off of Route 78 in the wilds of western New Jersey and David would be coming from Pennsylvania past the house mm-hmm. and so he picked me up and we went to go get Malachi and after we finally got him out of customs he put the crate down on a really crummy cement path outside of the place where the cargo comes in and this awful grass and he hands me a leash he says take him out of the crate and walk him for me I took the dog out of the crate would it first would, touch soil yes <laughs> And I walked up and down the path with him. So we took him away and I came back. And when he came back, he stood in front of David. He sighed. (gasps) You're David Fitzpatrick. I've been waiting all of my life for you. And he never turned back. That is an amazing story. Okay, now we're both crying. And when David came back from winning the garden, I'd offered to help him do that New York thing. And he said somebody else was going to help him, but they didn't. And I didn't know. And he called me on his way home. It was late at night. It was 10 o'clock at night. My husband was away on a business trip. And I have a long driveway. And I heard, because we have a thing in the driveway, I heard him drive into the driveway. He left his van at the bottom of my driveway. I was in pajamas with a a sweatshirt, whatever, and was freezing because it was February. I ran to the bottom of the driveway. David ran to me. And the two of us on the driveway jumped holding each other. I had him come into the kitchen. Are you hungry? No, I'm not hungry. Well, two sandwiches, a bunch of cookies, and a lot of tea later. David left, and that day will never be forgotten. We were just joyful with each other. So that's why he's my best everything. That is an amazing story. I love that story. I love that story, too. Thank you for sharing that with us. Okay. That was pretty good calling some dogs in the back. That was good. That was amazing. Like the NPR of dogdom. Pure Dog Talk is here for you, to make sense out of everyday things, to add nuance to your understanding and tools to your attack box, to bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. So check it. June 1st is our Patrons Retreat Workshop in the Chicago suburbs, up northwest of Chicago in the Lake Villa area. The workshops are open to everyone, and you can check out the Handler Clinic in order to sort of polish your performance in the ring, get a little finesse. You can also check out the Fine Print Session with dog-savvy lawyer Jen Emmonson, about sort of nailing down your contract language and getting that right. Heads up, there might be a couple rooms left at the retreat if you want to hang with basically the coolest crew in dogs for a couple nights. Visit www.puredogtalk.com for details. Don't forget, while you're there zooming around on the website, go take a look at the Pure Dog Talk swag link. You know you can share the love with all that cool gear. Check it all out. www.puredogtalk.com because your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. 
As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.